welcome back to another episode of the pod. So on the last episode about the application year, I talked a bit about how expensive the application process is, and that got me thinking that there are a lot of other hidden costs within academia that I wasn't aware of before beginning my program. And I figured it would be good to give this discussion its own episode. So that's what's happening here. Just a little heads up in advance that this episode is technically more of a mini-sode because at the time I'm recording this, it's a very busy time of the semester, so we still got to try and squeeze something in anyways. So with that little disclaimer out of the way, let's just jump straight into it. So when we're going through all these hitting costs in academia, last episode, I kind of already talked about the ones in the application year, but I'll just like rehash them out here. So first is the application fees, the fees you pay in order to submit your application to your program. You have your transcript fees. My undergrad didn't, but some undergraduate universities and colleges require you to pay a fee for each transcript you want them to send out. So that's something to consider. Paying for the GRE is a lot of money, especially if you take it multiple times. Paying for a prep course or materials if you decide to do any of those. You also have to pay the GRE to send their scores to the different programs, universities you're applying to. And then also once... Again, this is a bit different in this era of COVID, but before COVID, you would then also have to pay for your flights to go visit the programs and the hotels to stay in these places, and most places didn't really pay you back for that. So those are just a lot of fees that pop up just within the application process. And then let's talk about when you actually start your program. At least the moving. Moving is, well... Multiple things. If you're moving, I moved halfway across the country for my program. And if you're moving, I didn't realize how expensive moving is. You have to pay your security deposit, your first month's rent, buying your furniture or your shipping costs. Just, I just, building an apartment is insanely expensive. I did not realize that. And then the most surprising and frustrating part about like, you know, incurring these costs when moving in order to start your graduate program, is that it's possible that you won't get paid until two or three weeks after you first move, or your first check may just be half a paycheck. So again, this is where, you know, I had privilege and that I can be like, hey, I have to pay like, you know, two months rent, the security deposit, and like, you know, my food and everything, and I'm not getting paid for like pretty much the first month I'm here, parents, can you please help me out? But not everyone has that. Like, I cannot emphasized how surprised and stressed I was that to find out that after going in minor debts just to move for grad school I wouldn't even get my first proper paycheck like well into September even though like I moved in August like if you move I'm just telling you this up front so you can prepare and plan accordingly it's just not right or fair at all especially with how much work you do as grad students that to just kind of leave us hanging for those first few weeks while we move to a new city. Again, if you don't move, if you're staying in the same place, maybe it won't be as frustrating, but it's still, you know, going any period of time without a paycheck, especially when you have bills to pay, is not okay. So that's just like the biggest expense I was not fully prepared for and really want to make you guys aware of upfront. And maybe that will also help you 
consider when you're thinking about moving to programs, maybe even asking if like they have any, if programs have any money lying around or relocation fees or anything like that, because bruh, that was a thing. Another thing I think also deserves a little bit of space to talk about is summer funding. Most programs do not guarantee summer funding. And again, this is all very, very specific, so I can't go into details. But for most places, your funding comes from your TAing or your teaching a class. So over the summer, if you're not really doing that, you're not getting paid. And my program, I'm lucky that my program guarantees summer funding for all their students, but I know that is very, very rare. And that means that over the summers, you kind of have to look for funding opportunities on your own, whether it's like looking for different grants to apply to, fellowships to apply to, looking for teaching positions. And it's also possible that the amount that you earn will go down as well because you just get paid less over the summer. And that's also something else that you got to be aware of and just prepare for in advance, whether it's through saving extra money in during the school year, or if you're privileged enough to ask your parents or picking up a second. Well, you can't technically pick up a second job, so I'm not going to say that, but like you can babysit, you can figure something out. But yeah, that's a thing (laughs) to be prepared for. Another thing to keep in mind is student fees. So I often say to people that being called a graduate student is a misnomer in that, okay, yes, you take some classes, but you're in this weird in-between between being a student and also being an employee of the school. I mean, you're teaching classes, you're working on projects. It's just, it's just a very weird, like sort of liminal space. That being said, as we still are technically considered students, even if you're not taking classes anymore, you still have to pay student fees, which is like $1,000 out of your paycheck at the beginning of the semester. And that's just, again, wild for multiple reasons. One, you're not really a student. You're not really using all of those like undergrad student things as much. You work for the school, like you're teaching students and then they're taking money out of you. And then especially if this is like, you know, you're paying your student fees in your first semester of grad school. I already talked about how just like expensive it sort of is to like move and kind of go time without a paycheck. And then on top of that, to get your paycheck and then get money taken out of it for things you may not be using, wild frustrating but that's something to keep in mind and know that throughout your undergrad experience be sure to leave some money aside to pay for your student fees another sort of uh fun things that you should also like consider is conferences so i'm recording this in the time of covid so conferences in the traditional sense of like you know flying to the city staying in a hotel aren't really a thing right now and i don't know how that's going to look in the future but I'm just going to talk as if we were still in that time. So conference registration fees, they usually cost like, you know, at least $100 by themselves, maybe a little bit less. But on top of just paying for the registration fee for the conference, you also have to pay for your flight there, your hotel stay, your food and everything else you're getting while you're there. And then if you're presenting a poster, you have to pay the printing fee for your poster as well. Conferences are great and fun 
both like you know be in any city try some new restaurants like you know meet up with like friends in different departments and schools and things like that and they are essential for networking and they also give you a chance to see what's currently happening in the field new projects coming out and like you know you can maybe find new collaborators and things like that and they are very important for professional development and at the same time they're very very they can be very cost prohibitive if you don't have an additional income like your parents or a partner that has a real person job to lean on so that's also just something to consider because people expect you to go to conferences and maybe sometimes your department has the money to support you a bit and sometimes they don't and also another thing that universities that do provide some support for conferences one the support usually doesn't tend to be enough in my understanding they maybe give you enough to pay for the registration fee and maybe like half of the flights but the rest of the cost you still have to um foot on your own and then this could be a bit of a generalization because i know it varies from university to university and department to department but there are some schools that like you know do provide some financial support for their students but they do it in this reimbursement model where you pay you do all your costs first and then you fill out a form and then you give it to the university and they give you like, you know, they wait two or three weeks until you get the money back, which again, assumes that you can go a few weeks without that money because you have something like, it's just, it's a weird system that maybe doesn't necessarily work, but just things to consider. Like you're expected to go to conferences. They may not be as finan- as much financial support as you would like. And even the financial support you do have could put you in like a bit of minor debt for some time. This next sort of process is actually not a process that I have encountered yet. And I'm really just going based off um, older grad students experiences, but it's in the future for me. And this is internship applications. So if you are in a clinical or counseling program for your final year, you have to do your internship year, which for people who aren't within psychology, I liken it to like a medical residency, only we do it for one year and we, it's just nine, we're doing therapy for nine to five somewhere. Yeah. So admittedly, as I said, I'm not there in my trading, so I don't know the intricacies in this, but the main things I understand is that it's pretty much like a repeat of the grad school application process so you have to pay for all your application fees and that can come out to a lot of money on top of if we were in pre-covid times you have to pay for your hotels and your flights to go visit these programs around the country so that's something to keep in mind i don't have too much firsthand experience but i can circle back to this later in a couple years once i am going through this process myself another sort of area where you may be wanting financial support around are trainings And this is to say, you're not going to get all the information or training or support that you want or need from your program. Sometimes you're going to have to go outside to get training on specific treatment modalities, or maybe there's a cool summer institute on this advanced statistical technique or something like that. And a lot of those things cost money. And sometimes it could be possible to get your program to help you cover them. And maybe sometimes it's not. So that's also something to think of, that there are all these amazing learning opportunities that you may want to save money for in advance. That way, when a call comes up, you're like, okay, cool. I have the money to apply to that or go to that. But that's a thing to keep in mind. And then, so those are like sort of the things that I think I would have liked to know coming into grad school and something I'm aware of looking forward with internship apps about like, you know, these are some places that like, you know, some money's going to be taken from you. And that's something you, something we got to plan for appropriately and something I had wished known coming into grad school. 
And then another area that I think is important to highlight with um, fellowships, if your money is coming from a fellowship versus a teaching assistantship, be sure to save some of your money, particularly for taxes. At least the way I understand it is like I'm not taxed on my fellowship normally in that it's not taking from my paycheck. So when it comes time for taxes, that's something I have to be aware of. I'm not a tax expert, but just something to be aware of. If you're on a fellowship of any type, just be aware. It might make doing taxes a bit more complicated and we don't want to accidentally commit tax fraud there. That's not fun. I know this was a bit of a shorter episode, a little mini-sode as I call it, but I hope I've given you a sense of some of the hidden fees within academia, some more costs that just aren't really displayed or talked about anywhere, but things you kind of don't know until after you get in there and you're in the heat of it and you're like, oh no, I didn't plan for this. But yeah, that's all I have for you today. I wish you guys a good week and tune in next time. Bye.